What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. As usual, not much of a surprise, pretty NFL-centric show for you today. A couple of topics. Might be a shorter episode. Depends how much Ben and I ramble on. We'll see. Uh, three topics. And then if we, you know, maybe throw in a little, a little bit of bonus baseball at the end. Episode 132, coming to you a little bit earlier in the week than normal. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. We normally record on Tuesday evenings, afternoon evenings. Uh, but since we've been late a couple of times at scheduling and, and things we both got going on, or I specifically have going on later in the week, didn't want to take a chance of running super late or not having a show at all, so we decided a little bit early. So if something happens Monday or Tuesday that you know warrants discussion, we'll make sure to cover that in the following week's episode. Uh, but for this episode, we're going to start off Julio Jones news. Just broke about two hours ago on Sunday afternoon here. Uh, he's been traded to the Tennessee Titans. A lot of speculation about within the last week or two, it'd be the Patriots or the Titans. And then as we discussed last week, literally everywhere in between, nobody had any idea. Well, today he was officially traded. Well, okay, not official, but a deal has been agreed upon. A second round pick at least, and then a little bit of discussion as to what the other part of the trade is. It might be a fifth. It might be a swap of picks in a later round. That's still got to get ironed out, but Julio Jones, now a Tennessee Titan. Um, well, I, I got um, – I mean, it may be fluid, but I have right here per ESPN – uh, 2022 second round pick, 2023 fourth round pick, and then Jones goes to Tennessee with a 2023 sixth round pick. Okay. Okay. Again, it could be subject to change. Right, right. But um, ESPN typically doesn't put stuff out um, unless it's accurate. Uh, I'll say well, this on <laughs> unless it's about the Patriots, then all bets are off. Well, that's why that's what that's where they typically covers because then you get into the bias format of, of the Patriots and, and wanting to slander them all the time. But um, as far as the trade itself, I think it's a fair trade for Julio Jones. I thought a first round pick was understandable, but a reach given his injury history and then secondary uh, his age. But I think it's a great move for the Tennessee Titans. I would caution them to not get lost in the thought of pass happy to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones when you know your offense is built to run the ball. I would absolutely agree with that. I think a good balance. Uh, first of all, don't 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 discount the fact that the biggest winner of the Julio Jones trade might very well be Derrick Henry and the longevity of his career, because you are a run first team, but let's not discount the fact that Julio Jones could help extend Derrick Henry's, you know, prime by one, two, maybe even three seasons, depending on how long Jones is there and everything. They're going to be able to pass the ball more. They're going to be a run first offense and they should be. That's why they have Derrick Henry, but you're going to have two receivers. You legit have to double cover. Ask anybody who had to play the the uh, the Bucks how much fun that is with Godwin and Evans and uh, when they had Antonio Brown. Ask anybody who has to play the Seahawks with DK Metcalf and um, Tyler Lockett. It's not easy. 
There's a reason those teams are usually really good offenses. Even when you don't have Brady in Tampa, you have Jameis Winston. They still had a really good offense because it's so hard to cover. So Derrick Henry's going to have a lot of attention and focus off of him. I mean, he's still going to be the primary focal point, but they're not going to be able to focus just on Derrick Henry. He's going to take far less abuse, and he should. He should run the ball, I'd say, at least five times less a game because they're going to be open up the pass offense more. This is huge for the Titans. Uh, Julio Jones is not only – he's been a mentor, apparently, to A.J. Brown since college. A.J. Brown, you know, heavily tried to recruit him when he found out he was on the market and said, hey, look, you want to take the lead? You want to be the number one? Putting his ego aside, said, you can be the number one, man. That's fine. I just want to win. So it appears there's already a good relationship there. There's good vibes. That's a well-coached team. The Titans are contenders. They're, they, they were already contenders with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. Uh, and Tannehill being a real good game manager. Now you add in Julio Jones? My goodness. That is that is a potent offense, and their defense is not exactly a joke, although it is going to take some rebuilding with some players they lost. But the Titans are going to be a lot more competitive with the big boys than I think a lot of people realize. And I think I think when you talk about competitive against big boys, you're talking about outside the division because they – they pretty much, yes. In, severe injuries aside, they have the division wrapped up. Oh, I'm talking. The, I'm talking the Baltimore's. The, the right. obviously the, the the biggest of the big boys right now, Kansas City. Right. Um, the other teams that are going to, you know, you have to assume. I would assume Herbert's going to take even more steps forward this year, and the Chargers are going to be a threat. Uh, the Broncos should, if if every offensive weapon in place seemingly except a consistent quarterback, if they can. Teddy Bridgewater works out or Drew Locke comes around, they're going to be a threat. Uh, I'm not putting up there at Kansas City, and obviously I'm just saying they're going to be – they could potentially progress. Uh, and then, you know, Cincinnati's going to have an explosive offense. Let's not discount that at all. There's going to be some teams, you know, the – the the I wouldn't, wouldn't say old guard. I mean, the Chiefs have been a dominant team for a couple of years now, but we're used to that. We know what they're going to be. There's going to be some other teams, like I said, the Chargers, the Bengals, uh, maybe the Ravens take another step forward that are going to be real threats, and the Titans are going to be right up there with all them, without a doubt. I would. This is what I would the do. The Bills. First. Sorry, the Bills. I don't oh, want to discount say, the Bills. The, the 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 top tier is is the Bills, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. Not in that order. Um, and then Titans were kind of like that in between team, where they're trying to get in that that ilk, uh, but they couldn't quite push past that, you know, what's our issue. I think they found their, their key as long as they utilize Jones correctly and honor what the, the offensive system they have have in place by run first, pass second. Right. I think this pushes them into the conversation with those three other teams and makes them a viable contender against any one of them. Whereas before, yes, they handled the Ravens two years ago, I believe. Yeah. And then the Bills last year, if I remember correctly, the Bills beat them by in a close game, or it was I'm pretty sure it was a close game. But I don't exactly remember last year. I just know they relied heavily on matchups because once they faced the Chiefs, they 
I mean, once the Chiefs got ahead, it was over. Yeah, well, that's pretty much the case with any, any, any much, team against the Chiefs. Right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but there are a few teams that can go toe to toe inside the conference and outside the conference. But I think this puts them in that conversation of the upper echelon AFC teams and kind of gives them that stepping stone to maybe take that next step as we've talked about with the Bills, as we talked about many before with the Chiefs. Uh, We recently have talked about with the Chargers. Just taking that next step and and trying to keep moving up that ladder and make those key moves, i.e. the Buccaneers knowing what they are but realizing that they need to make one one huge decision to move on from Winston to Brady, and that made a difference from fairly yeah. a, a playoff team to Super Bowl champions. So I think it's quite possible this could push them over the edge. Uh, it's just a matter of how AJ and Julio work together with – the offensive flow through Derrick Henry. And we know what Ryan Tannehill is and what he isn't. You can't, you can't rely on him to bring you back from a 14 to 21 point deficit. And well, you couldn't without Julio Jones. I, I think he changes he that dynamic though. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying they're him. gonna I'm not gonna say they're gonna shoot out with Kansas City. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean I think they're gonna be a little bit more capable of it now than they were yeah. four hours ago. They're they're more capable now of not getting that in that hole. Right. Because if a if the running game's not going and on a and on a third and long and you want to keep the drive going, you can throw it to Julio and he's gonna get the first down. And then that's extending those drives. And that's getting Julio, and that's getting Julio going, and then in turn that opens up the field for Mr. Derrick Henry to then start to get going. And I think, as you pointed out, that's that's kind of the key here is getting those safeties back, getting those yep. corners back, you know, keeping those their heads on a swivel because they know they can't just man up on Corey Davis and attempt to man up on AJ Brown and then bring one or two of those safeties in, whoever the opponent is, to take care of Derrick Henry. I don't think that's reasonable right now with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, not to mention whatever other weapons they have in the slot at tight end. It 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 gives that offense another gear. Completely. And uh, what, what do you think about my, my statement? Am I, I off base here that if they do it right, this could extend Derrick Henry's you know prime? Not only will extend his prime, but we discussed this when his contract, when he got that extension, right? It's positioned, I think it was positioned where it's going to end when he's 27 or 28. I don't remember exactly. Right. But we noted that because it seemed like the Titans were taking a gamble on him, but he was also taking a gamble on himself by making it a shorter contract, high value, but shorter contract so that he can get that second contract. Yep. And I think Julio Jones not only will extend his career, but it makes that next contract more likely to be that of a um, maybe not the same he just got, but in that general vicinity instead of you know having bur- getting burned out and then turning into Sean Alexander, right? Two thousand nine or two thousand ten, where he just after his great season 
just plummeted because they burned him out. And, and that's how happens a lot with running backs. You, you can see, you can see it happen with Mark Hen- Mark, um, not Mark Henry, um, <laughs> Mark Ingram. I mix I mixed Eric Henry and, and Mark Ingram together. Um, but you can see that with Mark. See Mark Henry try to tackle Derrick Henry. That'd be fun. In his prime. In his prime. I think I like I like your concept of taking five carries away from him and and putting it elsewhere. Yep. Whether it be a backup or you know that it goes into the passing game because I just I, I think there needs to be an understanding with Derrick Henry. You need you need to take some carries away from him. But understand this, you will get more beneficial runs, more highly productive runs out of him with Julio Jones on the outside just because of his presence. The only concern will be is two, three weeks in the season, what does he look like? Is he Julio Jones or is he a shell of Julio Jones? And that'll dictate what the rest of the season is going to look like. See, I don't think he, I don't think he's a show. I think he's going to be just fine, um, especially with AJ Brown there to take some of the the focus off him. I mean, he had Calvin Ridley down in Atlanta. However, uh, I mean, look, that was that was an entire franchise that was kind of in flux. They didn't know if they wanted to rebuild. They, the coaching staff was not. Everybody knew Dan Quinn was on the way out. It wasn't going to work. Uh, there was a lot of changes going on there, uh, and it doesn't exactly, you know help with uh on the field um on the field i mean you know it's it's if a coach is worried about getting fired how is he putting his all into you know the game plan each week i mean it's just going to affect things tennessee's a team that's been on the rise for a few years and has continued to continue their ascension up the proverbial ladder uh it's going to be a whole different atmosphere for them um because you never julio doesn't isn't really a complainer no. I mean, the first thing he really ever said that anybody could go, oh, well, that's kind of strange is when he said, I'm out of here. Right. But like we said a couple weeks ago, he very well could have had a discussion with a GM and the GM's like, yeah, we're going to trade you. We're just trying to get the best deal. So I don't think that was him burying the team at all. Uh, the team didn't bury him. Uh, and then he comes to Tennessee where Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, those guys all seem like team players. They're there to win. They're, they're, they're committed to the franchise. Uh, this is a really, really huge pickup for for the titans uh a great value a second and uh according to espn a second and a fourth for for a guy the caliber of julio jones uh let's not forget if you get a 70 percent julio jones that's still better than about 80 percent of the receivers in the league yeah it is i mean it's it it's just <laughs> look at the man in his prime and tell me that 70 percent of that isn't still a number one on most teams so i mean they're they're they got a Great value. And for the Falcons, they got great value in return. They had Julio on the team for, God, what, a decade, if not more? Uh, they save $22 million a year in cap space now of guaranteed money. Uh, they get a second-round pick in return. They get, you know, a fourth. And it didn't end ugly. There wasn't any ugliness here. They didn't scare away anybody from the franchise the way they acted. So I think it's a win-win for both teams, for all parties involved, for Julio. Uh, I mean, this is... I would have loved to have seen him in New England. I didn't really see that happening though. But um, yeah, Titans are Titans are going to be a team to watch. So I want to I want to touch on three points real quick before we we move on. Uh, one, the number three wide receiver. Now that 
Adam Humphreys is gone uh, is, I guess, in a, in a, just by default is Josh Reynolds. I believe he was signed from uh, the Rams. Yeah, he was and on Rams last year. Yep. And then there's not much after that, so there might be a uh, um, a surprise because they have they they loaded up a lot of players uh, behind AJ and Josh. But so think of this: they had AJ Brown and Josh Reynolds before they traded with Julio. So it almost it was almost out of necessity that they needed to get Julio Jones because mm-hmm. they didn't have much. I think this this helps develop AJ Brown and. This helps any of these other guys that, that they think might have talent, ability uh, to not get draped all over by the elite talent because we know where the elite talent cover guys are going to go. They're going to go either AJ or or Julio. Right. Number two, with the Titans, they're, uh, they are going to rely heavily on the uh, blocking ability of their tackle, the tight ends because I don't know any of these guys. So it seems like they're going in with we're going to block 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 and that's about it which is fine you have your talent out on the outside you don't really need guys um at the tight end position uh catching uh catching the ball and i don't want to say it was a miss for the patriots um it was an opportunity they could have enhanced the team i would have liked to see it happen but if Belichick and uh, the front office felt a second and a fourth wasn't worth it for a team, especially if they felt the cap, they couldn't maneuver the cap the way they wanted to. And how he like, I, from what I hear, how he likes to operate, I don't know this firsthand. I, I've heard it. He likes to operate with a little wiggle room going into the season. So if he needs to make a move, right, he can make a move. And then last on the side of the Falcons, this is a good move. Um, is it a first-round pick? No. Would have been great to get a first. Yeah, it would have been great. But you got a two and a four. Like you said, it, it's it's good uh, draft capital. Maybe to move up. You, you by by default, I think it's going to be a late second-round pick. But who knows? Anything anything is possible. Right. Um, I think what you need to look at is Matt Ryan after this season. I think you need to decide what you're going to do where your draft pick ends this season will dictate what the draft class looks like for the quarterbacks next year and what you can feasibly get with Matt Ryan. And I think that second round pick may come in handy when they want to say to a team, we want a first round pick Uh, a late second and Matt Ryan might garner you a first round, a a top tier first round pick possibly especially if you're looking at this is pre-draft post season not uh post-draft and then into the new season because you're not gambling on um what a team could potentially do with with matt ryan you want a known commodity at that point right so i think i think that's something they have to look at because like you stated i believe last week they have calvin ridley they have justin gage they have Kyle Pitts. Ah, Justin Gage. That was the other kid I was thinking of. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, uh, they haven't figured out their running back situation yet. Maybe Gurley comes back. Maybe he doesn't. But I think they got some a good nucleus of offensive weapons that they need to decide what they want to do at the quarterback position. And let's not 
it's a crazy thought. I understand. Just, just roll with me. This is not off of any expert opinion. This is not off of any uh, discussion I had. This is just completely out of the top, off the top of my head. Maybe they can make a deal with the Packers because Aaron Rodgers just isn't going to play for them. They swap. They send the second round pick. Boom. And now, and now they have Aaron Rodgers. And maybe they make that move. I don't know. I'm just throwing out possibilities. It could happen. I'm just thinking logically for the Falcons, their next decision needs to either come in the next month or two about Matt Ryan's future or just after the season ends next year, they need to make an immediate move on whether they're going to move on from him or they're going to reinforce that team because I believe they're going to some of their cap issues is going to resolve at the end of this year. And that's where you have to make the decision on who you're going to spend on. You're going to spend on giving Matt Ryan help, whether it be protection or weapons, or you're going to build a sustained team for the next iteration of the Atlanta Falcons. And that might not include Matt Ryan. Yeah. I think it's writings on the wall there. Matt Ryan's time and and Atlanta is, probably numbered if if for no other reason simply age i mean and you know he hasn't he hasn't quick what's up let's throw something at you real quick sure i want you to flip up the situation jordan love gets drafted by the atlanta falcons last year 23rd pick in the draft do we have the same situation atlanta that we have in green bay nope so that's why if, if i'm Green Bay, I might look at this as an opportunity. That's why I brought it up. That's like part and parcel why I brought it up. It's like Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And I didn't mean to bring up Aaron Rodgers early because I know we're going to discuss him next. But he is a bit of a, not a bit of a diva. He is a diva. And if you swapped and then you gave up that second round pick to to um, uh, Green Bay, to get the talent of Aaron Rodgers, because we know Aaron Rodgers is is way up here still. Oh yeah, and Matt Ryan has diminished is diminished at 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 best. And now ease you can ease your way into Jordan Love, and then Atlanta. You got you still have enough firepower to go out there and possibly win the division because you still got Calvin Ridley, you got Kyle Pitts. It's still a possibility. Well. I'll say this much: even if Aaron Rodgers goes to Atlanta, he won't be happy there either, because he won't be happy anywhere. They, oh, I know that, I know that. Um, but they don't have Calvin Ridley. Looks like a really, really talented young receiver. He's not Devontae Adams. Uh, Kyle Pitts, who he looks like he's going to be one of the best athletes from the draft. We'll have to see what he does. So it's too early to judge anything. You haven't seen him in an official NFL game yet, so we don't know. Uh, Falcons definitely don't have the running backs that the Packers have. Uh, I don't think their offensive line is as good, and I don't know about the defenses. I think mean, Green Bay probably has a slightly better defense than the than the Falcons do. So, if Rodgers gets traded to Atlanta, he's taken a step down. Uh, I don't mean that as a slight to the Falcons. They're a team that's you know they had some successful years, and now they're trying to rebuild and get back to that point. Uh, whereas the Packers are right up there in the NFC, and Rodgers still isn't happy. Um. That's actually what I was about to say was, you know, for, for the Falcons, they're moving on from Matt Ryan soon. If for no other reason, just he's getting up there in age. 
He hasn't completely fallen off the cliff, but he's not the same player he was even three or four years ago. Let's be honest. Uh, he's not a he's not a bum by any means. He's still a very talented quarterback, but I mean, I hate, I hate the sound. I'm not trying to sound negative because Matt Ryan doesn't seem like a diva. Um, you know, Rogers does. Ryan does not. But I mean, I I, I kind of put Roger. I'm uh, not Rogers. Uh, uh, Matt Ryan in the same category. I put Philip Rivers in. He's a really, really nice stat collector. But when push comes to shove in the biggest games of their career, they fold like origami. So, I mean, it's it, it's not a knock. Not everybody can be Patrick Mahomes. Not everyone can be Tom Brady. Not everyone can be Peyton Manning. Hell, even Peyton Manning wasn't Peyton Manning in the first five, six, seven years of his career. So, they're going to be moving on regardless. So, I think if they could send him and a pick for a veteran quarterback who could help them, you know, win. Uh, I don't know how much of an improvement from an attitude or leadership standpoint Rodgers would be over uh, Matt Ryan, but certainly talent-wise, you would take Rodgers. For everything I can say about the man, he can throw a football with the best of them. So, uh, I, just, I, I just think it's the only way you trade – if you trade Matt Ryan with that second-round pick, it's, it's to get – a you're gonna you're most likely gonna get diminished leadership skills on uh, because I, I agree with your opinion uh, matt ryan's leadership skills are up there with the best of them so you're going to by default any quarterback you will will be able to acquire will have somewhat diminished leadership uh skills but the the talent level will need to be above and beyond um, I can think Deshaun Watson might be a possibility next offseason. And we're looking – that's like the kind of player I'm looking at, like a talented player who the team needs to move on from because it's just not working out, whether it's um, playbook-wise it's not working out or front office, you know, player issue, um, coach player issue. They're just – all I'm saying is Atlanta needs to decide if they're going to move, make a move this month or they're going to make a move next year immediately after the season ends. Like, you got to start moving yeah. right away. League year starts beginning of March. You make your moves because I don't think a move, a, the smart move, would be to wait till after the draft because you're just not going to get the return that you would. That's why Deshaun well, it's never. It's going to be after the draft. The draft already happened. No, I mean next year. Oh. After ne- I mean after next year, next season. Okay. But before the draft, that needs to happen right there because that's when we talked about with Deshaun. That that's when the move need to be made because right. after the draft, it's a it's diminished returns. Now that's not counting the whole situation that Deshaun is now in. Say, yeah, I think if it wasn't for that situation, yeah. Deshaun would have been moved already. I agree. But no one's uh, going to touch him with a 10-foot pole right now. Uh, so that's that's just my opinion on that. Um, I just think there's a dynamic there that that both teams can resolve because, you know, Arthur Blank wants to, wants to win. And I think Matt LaFleur could produce a very good offensive offensive playbook and an offensive mentality if someone like matt ryan came in diminished uh, talent level 
but leadership and then you still have Devontae Adams. You still have Aaron Jones. You still have Robert Tanya. Oh, that's not enough. Have... That's not enough. Remember? He needs that's more. Because, he that's needs more. He's a child. He needs more. No, no, Speaking he he's the, the victim. Chris... Rodgers is the victim. Remember, Rodgers is always innocent. Well, let's let's talk about the 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 victim up in Green Bay then. Well, this this little segment here isn't so I mean, we're going to inevitably get to Aaron Rodgers, but it's more about the the Packers front office and the team itself. Um Rodgers is still, as far as I know, a no-show to all team activities, which, look, a veteran quarterback under normal circumstances not going to OTAs isn't really huge news. It can bother a fan base. I know it bothered you a lot when Brady didn't show up to OTAs for the Patriots for a long time, but it's not that abnormal, uh, especially when you are somebody of Rodgers' talent level. Um, but he has not been to any team activities uh so given the circumstances that's notable um but the packers appear to be calling his bluff they're not they're they're not budging they're not going to just do whatever he wants which is what he's used to getting he stomps his feet and cries and then he gets what he wants uh you know uh you know they 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 have brought in other QBs um nobody super noteworthy i mean obviously anybody who came in would be a backup to, to jordan love uh, but Jordan's been taking the first team reps and OTAs. Uh, he's been, you know, they said there's some things he's got to polish and work on, but he, he's looking pretty good. Uh, but, you know, Packers CEO Mark Murphy ha- has publicly stated now that the Aaron Rodgers situation has, in fact, divided the Packers fan base. Not surprising. Uh, you probably have some that are like, get Aaron back no matter what. We want Aaron forever, you know, with all it. You know, all the technology, we can have Cyborg Aaron be your quarterback forever. Then you have others who are probably more rational thinkers who are like, hey, you know, this is how the guy wants to act. We drafted a guy in the first round last year. This is what Rodgers did to Favre and what Love do it to Rodgers. And maybe we'll end up having a third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row. Um, Or maybe there's some that are just tired of Rodgers stomping his feet like a diva because, you know, look. I can understand a fan base wanting to have their Hall of Fame quarterback there forever. Brady left last year was not easy on any Patriots fan, but there were Patriots fans who were literally upset with the team that they did not just cut whoever they needed to cut to give Tom Brady the money he needed or wanted and give him everything he wanted. The fact is, the way the team was built, Tom Brady wasn't going to be able to get what he wanted. It wasn't about money. Tom Brady could have gone to a lot of other teams. He got two for 50 from Tampa Bay. He could have gone to other teams that would have made him the highest paid quarterback in the league if he wanted to. Well, maybe not after Mahomes' contract, but could have paid him a lot more than what he made in Tampa. This was about he wanted to go somewhere we had more of a say. Belichick's not going to give anybody more of a say. Like it, love it, hate it. That's fine. It is what it is. Belichick is the leader of that team and, or, you know, leader of that coaching staff. And, you know, he runs the team. He's not going to let Brady make personnel decisions. People cannot like that. I've heard a lot of, you know, people from, you know, Pat McAfee on down. Do I like Pat McAfee? I'm not trying to knock the guy, but he's, you know, Brady should have made decisions. He should have been able to do this, should have been able to do that. Okay. Well, that's not how the Patriots work. So he moved on. Uh, and there are people who are very upset about that. Should have just thrown away the entire Patriot way, the entire game plan, all this stuff, uh, and just given him whatever he wanted. Well, that's not how it works. And the Packers, uh, on top of the fact that I wrote, we, we've commended the Packers a few times, especially during all this pandemic stuff where 
they didn't have to lay anybody off or, or, or anything because they were smart enough to have a reserve of funds for a rainy day. A small reserve. Just, just tiny, small reserve. Just like three hundred million, yeah. It was, like yeah. So they were able to still take care of their people because they had the foresight. So kudos to the organization once again. And now you've had, you know, you've had the GM, you've had the head coach, you've had the CEO of the entire organization come out and publicly state they want Aaron Rodgers back. Rodgers is too busy saying he's going to be a game show host and playing golf. Haven't heard anything from him except, "Woe is me." I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. Okay, that's fine. But it's business, Aaron. Like, dude, you're 37. Yeah, you're coming off an MVP year. You're super talented. You're you're one of the greats of all time. You're a Hall of Famer with one of the worst attitudes I can possibly remember. To the point where when you're not complaining, grown men commentating comment on how great it is to see you happy. Like you're an ex-girlfriend who they didn't want to see miserable. It's weird. It's very weird, the dynamic between the media and Aaron Rodgers. He can do no wrong. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't really have too much more on this. I just wanted to bring it up that the Packers, to a man in the organization, have said they want Aaron back now and for future seasons. And Aaron, despite making $40 million a year and having elite-level receivers and running backs around him, um appears to not be happy with the weapons they've given him. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, if he just wanted out, he should just have the balls come out and say, I just want to play somewhere else. You know, just say that. He needs but to come he, out. He, he, he won't. He'll say it to the media and have the media say it, and then he'll go, oh, I don't know if that's what I meant. Uh, I don't know. Get all wishy-washy. But I... I've said so much on this guy, it's just going to sound like it's, it's not even my opinion. I'm just trying to bury him so I can sound like a Max Kellerman towards Tom Brady. And that's not it. I want to like Aaron Rodgers. I want to like the best in the game. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm excited when I get to watch Patrick Mahomes play. I'm excited when I get to watch Lamar Jackson play, Russell Wilson play. They're tremendous players. And they don't scare you away as a fan with their crappy attitude. Rodgers does. I find it hard to support somebody who is so whiny when everything is in the palm of their hand. Yeah, I just, I just think this is what I. What we, I think it was last week we went over this, or the week before, about Aaron Rodgers and what he said. If he was just honest with himself, or I should say, honest with the organization, he clearly had a problem with Jordan Love being drafted. Clearly, I would, if he would stop being wishy-washy about it, and just admit. Hey, I had a problem with Jordan Love being drafted. Tom Brady had a problem with Jimmy Garoppolo being drafted, and he was drafted in the second round. Now, I don't know if Tom ever publicly said anything, but he did go on a tear after he got drafted because there was a noticeable decline in Tom Brady's play up until the point when Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted. It's when he started hydrating. Yes, if that's what we're going to call it. Um. I, whoa, 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 just, whoa, 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 What do you think? Whoa, whoa, what are you saying? It's, it, it's, it's, what's his name? Uh, his, his medical, but well, not medical buddy. Uh, I can't remember his name. Alex Guerrero. Thank you. Uh, who knows what Guerrero was giving him besides the massages? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know is it's crazy how his uh, TB12 peanuts cost, what, 60 bucks, 70 bucks for a package? 
Hey, look, I would never, I would never pay it, but I'm going to tell you what: if you can put your name on something and get that much cash for it, any one of us would do it. More power to you. So yeah. Um, to get back to uh, Rogers, it's it's just he just won't admit that it's Jordan Love. Jordan Love's the issue. First round quarterback. It happened. He was drafted by the Packers to do the same thing, to usurp uh, an all-time great. And it just sucks. I get it. But you could be a little bit more reasonable about it by sitting down with the front office and saying, look, I, I, I get what you're trying to do. I understand you want to move on. You want to prepare for life after me because I'm not going to play forever. At this point, I would like to move on to another team because I don't want to play. I don't want to sit here and have to baby the backup quarterback that's going to take over my job, and then leave everything behind the doors. But that's not how he operates. Nope. So that's the pro- there. lies the issue. Is he's never going to. He was never going to do that because that's not how he operates. So I think the Packers are right. I think just. Hold your cards. Jordan Love, take all the first team snaps. Come to – I've said this before and I'll say it again. Come first game of September. Aaron Rodgers is not there. The team – and when I mean the team, I mean the players. Realize they're going to – going. I don't want to say going to battle, but going on the field with Jordan Love as their leader, Aaron Rodgers will be an afterthought. And his value will be greatly reduced. Yep. And they'll come to a point where they'll end up cutting him mid-off season next year. Someone will pick him up. Maybe he'll turn it around for a season or two, but no one's going to give him the money that he's going to want. And no one's going to have quite the weapons that he has in Green Bay. And if they do, they already have their starting quarterback. So it's... Well, he says he's ready it's to all retire. Aaron Rodgers, realistically, he says if they don't give him what he wants, he's ready to retire. So, retire. well, yeah, exactly. So they they appear to be calling his bluff, and I commend him for it. Uh, I hope they keep it up because I don't care what player you are, you shouldn't be able to hold an entire organization, fan base, and fifty-two other teammates on the field hostage because woe is me. So, good for Green Bay. Um, I'll be pulling for him to keep it up. And hey, look, if Rodgers and him can sit down and have an amicable conversation, and he gets back on the field, then good for everybody involved. But um, at this point, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah, I just don't. I, I I look at this and I think Rob Gronkowski retired. Tom Brady then gets signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then all of a sudden he's out of retirement. They dealt him for a fourth round pick, I think. Yep, Patriots did. Yep. And that was a smart thing to do. Bill knew. Bill had probably some inclination that Rob wasn't done. So what did he do? Oh, you want to retire? Go ahead. Retire. Oh, now you don't want to. Re- oh, now you want to unretire. You want to play with Tom. Okay. Well, he calls up Green, calls up Tampa Bay, says, what are, you, what are you willing to offer? Because he was smart to hold that contract because he didn't cut him. And that's what the, that's what the Packers are going to do. You want to retire? Go ahead, retire. We'll just hold your contract because once you come back, we still hold your rights. We'll trade you, but we'll trade you where we want to trade you. And you may not have the avenues that you want, and you're not going to have the power 
especially if Jordan Love goes out there and has a reasonable season. And when I mean reasonable, I mean, you know, uh, playoff, maybe a victory in the playoffs, maybe not. But if they make the playoffs with Jordan Love, then forget Aaron Rodgers. He's done. Dude, if they come out and they have a couple of, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, if, if, if it's still Jordan Love under center and Aaron Rodgers hasn't played at all during the offseason and, and Love comes out and he looks good, and I'm not talking about has a couple of decent games on, on some big plays. I'm talking if he's hitting passes, making smart decisions, the fundamentals look solid, they're not going to be fighting to get Aaron Rodgers back. If he comes out and he bombs, then you're going to probably see Aaron Rodgers back in short order because they'll probably give him whatever he wants. They need to make a decision pretty quick because after this season, they're going to have to pick up the fifth-year option or not, and they need to know that because if Love's going to be their guy of the future, they can then decide, okay, fifth-year option, extension, whatever. But, I mean, they have to know. They have to see something this season to know. They're not going to pick up a fifth-year option and pay him all that money for a guy who doesn't step on the field. They can't do it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the offseason. Or off season, up until the beginning of the season, excuse me. All right. Last topic here today. Uh this was kind of a, a big to do around the New England area because anytime anybody discusses the Patriots, people take it offensively. Uh Dan Marino, probably the greatest quarterback to never win a, a Super Bowl. And I don't mean that as a slight, I mean that honestly. Um Hopes Bill Belichick does not break Don Shula's all-time win record. Uh, people were really up in arms about that. Like, Marino was talking the crazy trash, and there was a big to-do. Uh, and my response was, why would he want that? Why would a career Dolphin who played the first 13 years of his career under Don Shula, who was mentored by Shula and who loved Shula like a father figure, I would assume, uh, why would he want someone to break his record? I don't think I don't there's nothing offensive that Marino said. Marino said he's a dolphin for life. Uh he's a fan of Coach Shula for life who passed away last year. Uh why would he want that to happen? Did you see anything offensive about this? Or is this just the media, of course, drumming up trying to drum up controversy? I think the rationale for it is most people and it's not Dan Marino's record, it's Don Shula's record. So I think that's Part of the issue you're having is, is it's Marino talking about it, not not Don Shula. I mean, when I mean that, I mean usually the owner of the record always coalesces and says, you know, hey, someone's going to break my record. I'll congratulate that person when they break the record. Right. Records are meant to be broken, blah, blah, blah. You know, the same song and dance. Now, I know when Shula was alive, he would always harp that he doesn't want – Belichick breaking the record and I think Dan Marino's echoing that sorry yeah I have a little uh, uh, funny enough I was doing some research on this because I wanted to I wanted to get this right ironically enough for all Shula ever said and look I know he's a Hall of Fame coach I know he passed away I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead um whatever was between him and Belichick was their business um this is just facts like this is what I read this is what I did research on this to find out for all he said about Belichick you know um not being dishonest and using shady tactics apparently ironically enough, the only reason uh, that that, that uh, Shula was available or was hired by the Dolphins may very well have been a result of tampering. So, and anybody who played back in that era says there was every shortcut imaginable taken, much like there is today. 
So my problem when people talk about Belichick and the way they do in negative terms is not the fact of, oh my God, he's the coach of my favorite team. He can't do no wrong. It's all of you do every little thing you can to gain an upper hand. You need to take a look in the mirror and realize, like, if you've done anything, much like people who are criticizing the Astros in baseball, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, your team did it too. And they're like, oh, I'll be quiet now. If you've done anything, it's going to be under a microscope the minute you start running your mouth. So, I mean, that's my problem with it. Belichick's a big boy. He can take care of himself, and he's done some stuff. Or even as a Patriots fan, I'm like, eh, I don't really care. My team wins on Sunday. Well, minus last year. So, I mean, <laughs> any fan out there, any fan out there telling themselves they would just take a good, honest losing season or a good, honest losing two decades over trying to win at any cost in seven, six, seven Super Bowls, six, is lying to themselves. <laughs> just, just, just putting that out there. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I brought it up as, 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 to you as, as just a discussion point. I don't really have an issue with Dan. No, I have zero issue. Saying with something it. like this, no. it's just not. It doesn't. It doesn't rock me one way or the other. No. It's, it's a, a moot point in my opinion because Dan, honestly, there's nothing much Dan Reno can say that really is going to irritate me in any way. Much like I think I and I think that's. Um, comes from the fact that the 72 Dolphins, um, which he's not part of, be very clear about that, he's not part of the 72 Dolphins. They like to bring up, you know, every time someone, the last undefeated team loses, they like to pop the champagne. They're the only undefeated team. And I think that's just kind of numbing to anything, anything the Dolphins organization has to say from that old guard of, they're superior because they're the 70, you know, they had the 72 Dolphins undefeated team, you know, Don Shula, all time winning as coach. So I, I just, I don't have any time for petty stuff that Dan Moreno has to say. I, I just don't, I never really listened to what he had to say anyway. And I just don't have any care for what he says realistically. See, I think some of the stuff Shula said was petty. I don't think Marino, I personally don't think Marino's being petty here. I think if if you hear Marino talk, Shula was like a father figure to him, like a mentor. He knows how Shula felt about Belichick. If you care about somebody and love somebody that much, you're not going to want to see somebody they didn't like or didn't want to have break the record, break the record. I see nothing wrong with it. Uh, and, you know, if somebody wants them to stop, stop them, beat it, do it. Mahomes called this shot a couple weeks ago, said he wants to go 20-0. Yeah. Do it. I mean, it's the same thing as if you want a team to stop scoring points on you, stop them from scoring points on you. Don't get mad at them because they do it. Look, the Dolphins went undefeated in 1972 and won the Super Bowl. That's something to be proud of, and that's incredible. And if, if the Patriots had done that in 07 and they'd actually gone 19-0, we'd be talking about it a lot more than we do. I'll tell you what, they have six Super Bowl banners in Gillette Stadium. And right next to it, they have an 18 and 0 banner from, from, uh, you know, 2007. Huh? Didn't they take that down? Not, last time I was there, it was still there. Oh. Um, but I tell you what, that banner should be, th- should be burned in the middle of the field at halftime <laughs> because it doesn't mean a damn thing. It literally that, means absolutely, absolutely that nothing. It's the equivalent of, oh, what was it? The Colts put up a, a, a flag 
that said wild what was it wild card wild card winners or something very crazy something, some yeah first round winners or so, something indicating uh, a first round playoff win that meant absolutely nothing it's like putting up a division championship uh flag in any sport it's like it means nothing it, it absolutely means nothing because it doesn't mean you won a playoff game. It just means nope. you won more games in the regular season. And, and and to piggyback on your point about the undefeated season, I, I just think it's tough right now for any team in the league to go undefeated because of competition, the talent coming in each and every year. Right the media scrutiny each and every week. And then the media scrutiny on that team that just keeps winning. And just the fact that there's 32 teams and then they get in the playoffs and it's a whole nother level. And then if you make it to the Super Bowl, that thing is just an event onto itself. I just, well, then you have two weeks in between with nothing but media appearances. Right. You're, you're totally out of your rhythm. So it's a whole different animal. I, I just think, I think, it was uh, Rob Nigovich that pointed out like two or three weeks ago that I, I was watching TV. It's just it's unnecessary attention uh, and unnecessary pressure on the team yourselves. You just lose the game, the one game. You're better off going and winning the Super Bowl. And I think Tom Brady said, and maybe I'm misquoting him. I thought I remember him in some interview with Tampa Bay saying he'd, he'd give up like a win, one or two of his rings for that um, undefeated to get that. I think so. Season. Yeah. I think he said, I think I remember that. Yeah. I mean, sure. Someone like Tom, who's got six, seven now, seven. Sure. He can give up one or two. Uh, most players, they don't even have one. Do you think, do you think Peyton would give up any of his rings? No. There's players who would give up opportunity, you know, decent seasons to to make it to one Super Bowl and win it. So Well, look, I mean, I'll say this much. In 07, when the Patriots went undefeated, and I got to correct myself real quick before I even get into this point. Uh, I said 18-0. It's a 16-0 banner. 18-0 was before the Super Bowl when they were undefeated. 16. It was a 16-game season. It was a 16-0 banner. But remember what the Giants record was in 07? Uh, they were 10-6. and six. Right. And the first, three, the first three weeks of that season, they had statistically the worst defense in NFL history. And then they turned it around, and they got a wild card spot, and they won when they had to. You ask right. their fans whether they take a Super Bowl or sixteen and zero in a Super Bowl loss, their fans and every other fan base in the league would say, "Give me that Super Bowl, regular season, whatever. You just get in, and then anything can happen." And they prove that. And well, hats off to them. I mean, I <laughs> at the time it hurt, <laughs> but I mean, dude, I mean, hats off. That was that was a hell of a performance, especially by that defensive line. That was just amazing in that game. Here would be the question, Chris. Um, ask a Dolphins fan that, and this is a Dolphins fan that has been around since '72, a, a fan, a knowing fan since '72. Okay. Would you give up? Because I don't know. I don't know when. When did they lose? When they? I don't remember when they won their their Super Bowl. After I don't know if they won a Super Bowl after '72. I think um, it was it either one seven. I think it was they won. Like 71 and 72 or 72 and 73. I think there was back to back there somewhere. But 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 you get where I'm going at, right? Yeah. Would yeah. you give up that one 
undefeated season with that Super Bowl just to have greater success and more Super Bowl opportunities in the next 30, well, actually probably now 40 years because with Dan Marino, they didn't do anything. And then after Dan Marino, they literally did absolutely nothing. So that would be the question to a Dolphins fan. Would you give up that undefeated season for let's let's put a, a number to it, two Super Bowl at minimum, two Super Bowl wins, and one or two more appearances in the Super Bowl and greater success, and not have that clout of an undefeated season. Here's the thing: they're the one fan base in the history of the NFL that doesn't have to answer that question because they have what everyone else is looking for. Right. So. I- but I, that's just that's the, and that's the only team that's the only organization only fan base that you can really ask that question yep. to because yep. you have it. So what would you rather have? Because they've also experienced forty years of just I don't want I don't know if I call it mediocrity, but I mean it was mediocrity with Dan Marino and then Belichick. No, they had Patriots. some really good. They had some really decent years with Marino, yeah. but they never won anything of legitimacy and then when well, Belichick and Brady for 20 years here's the thing you're talking the only thing of legitimacy being the Super Bowl I mean what else they, they what else I mean they, they made it to they made it to a few they didn't win at least one of them Marino made it to but then uh, they were com- they were competitive for a good number of years with Marino okay that, that's fair I'm, yeah I'm it, it wasn't saying. it wasn't like he came in the league and they were schlubs I mean he he made that team competitive so I mean, <laughs> for, for another twenty years, though they did nothing. Right, yeah. Since him, they haven't they haven't been great. Honestly, they've had a few decent seasons here and there. But I mean, Coach Shula was was Marino's head coach for thirteen years. He doesn't have the all time record if he was winning four games a year. So, uh, just to close this topic out for me. Um, uh, Shula with playoffs has three hundred and forty seven career wins. Belichick has three hundred and eleven with playoffs. So Belichick is thirty six. 36 wins behind Shula. Uh, I mean, you never know. You'd have to think he has a decent chance. Yeah. But um, what, we'll see. Who knows? Belichick. Belichick's a guy who's pretty set in his way. So if he has a he has a a hard a hard drop dead date for his coaching career, uh, he's probably going to stick to that. But yeah, I know yeah. being being the game historian that he is, I don't think there's any other record. He'd rather have than the all-time wins as the head coach. So he's publicly said he doesn't really care about it. Yeah, I don't buy. I don't, I don't, I don't do buy that. Believe I that. don't buy that for a second. Not no, for a second. He, he's got. If he has four good seasons left, ten win seasons, that'll put him in. Um, I don't. I see. The problem is, is what? What's the count? Not including the playoffs because that's that's where the narrative of the line can be moved to all-time record, including playoffs, to where it could be moved to all regular season. And that's where a difference can be made. But I think they've had similar amount, uh, a number of playoff wins. Okay. So if he were to get that, he'd be right around. I don't have the exact number in front of me. I almost wrote them both down, and for some reason I didn't. Well, but, here, here's what yeah. I'll say, Chris. It, it, if I was talking about any sport, I would say the all-time wins is all-time wins. Yeah. It's 
Well, I mean, if that's how, how they're going to me- if that's how they're going to measure it for Shula, they have to measure it the same way for Belichick. Right. I so know. I know. I'm just I'm just saying. I, I've I've heard the argument, and the argument, um, and and let's add the context of it is Boston Sports Radio I'm talking about. Um, what is the 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 measuring point? Is it all time, including playoffs, or all time not including playoffs? But in my opinion, when you're talking about any sport, all time all-time winning it's got to include the playoffs sure yeah it's it's winning you can make different um categories but in in all honesty all-time wins is all-time wins no matter if you made a bunch of playoff runs or you made none all right, so I think we discussed them at the beginning of the show. Maybe talking a little baseball. We're at almost an hour here, so we're gonna we're gonna end this episode. Uh, what do you What do you think for next week? Uh, we go over uh, who we think is going to win the divisions and the wild cards. Sure. And we'll. I mean, we're almost sixty games in. By that time, we'll be you know sixty five, sixty six games in. It's definitely a fair measuring stick for where teams are right now. So I think I don't think that'd be too early to do that. We'll take a look at all the division leaders, uh, and then you know whether we think they're going to maintain that or drop off. Someone's going to come from behind, wild cards, and you know how we do it. We don't, you know, we're not scared of giving our opinion, so we're probably just going to go right through the playoffs as we set them up and uh, just quickly, you know, run down. Oh, these are the teams. Okay, this team will be that team. This team will be that team, and uh, so we'll we'll give you our guesses on who's going to end up holding up the trophy at the end of the year. Uh, okay, well, that is going to do it for this episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or sports-related in general, we'd love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, BCTSPod.com. And thank you once again, ladies and gentlemen, for all your support and helping us to spread the word. If you have not yet and you feel so inclined, could leave a rating and a review wherever you download your favorite podcast greatly appreciated till next time for ben i am chris please stay safe stay healthy we will see you right back here next wednesday thank you